welcome to Popcorn History with the Freeborn County Historical Museum, Library, and Village. My name is Stephanie Kibler, Executive Director at the museum, along with Risha Lilienthal, Coordinator for Collections and Exhibits, and Reggie Bauer, Operations Manager at Power 96. We're just reminiscing. It's bittersweet today <laughs> as Reggie has made his announcement. He's leaving Power 96. Yeah. <laughs> Feels weird. <laughs> oh, feels weird. Feels sad. Mm-hmm. We'll make it work. We will. And you'll go on to bigger and better things. <laughs> Short of locking him in a dungeon, I guess we <laughs> really can't. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So um, we got kind of, a, again, a weird mm-hmm. topic list this round. Weird flow of events <laughs> and um, items. I, I feel like it works the way we're picking these, but it's starting to get muddled in my brain. <laughs> I don't know if that's well, maybe I'm always we, muddled. After we pick them, sometimes I have to take a long time to remember why did I say that after you said that. <laughs> I've had to question you a couple times. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, wait, what was that conversation, and <laughs> how did I end up with? And I don't know how I picked mascots this time. I don't either. Actually, I do. I'm not. I'm not going to lie. I do know. Yeah. Because we just named our mascot. Oh yes, we did. Not really. He's well, not really not our mascot, mascot, but he's he's. So we just had the naming contest for our World War One black lab in mm-hmm. in the um, exhibit, mm-hmm. um, and he is a Red Cross. Was he a Red Cross dog? Well, I he mean, really he wasn't because he's, he's just he's a stuffed, stuffed dog. <laughs> He's, he's got saddlebags he's, that could have been used in the Red Cross. Right. It also could have... Um, for supplies yep. and that kind of thing. Yep. Correct. Um, and so the name we picked for him, um, thanks to some creative people on Facebook, mm-hmm. is Charlie Tango. Hmm. Um, so like now, the so, alphabet. Yeah. Right, yes. And, and it was just stuck in my head for a long time. Charlie Tango, I really like that name, Charlie Tango. And he's <laughs> such a nice-looking little black lab. Uh-huh, he's got a helmet on and everything. <laughs> yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. And, and it got me thinking about the um, Albert Lee High School mascot. Oh, the tiger? The tiger. Where did that come from? I suppose I'd never really yeah. thought to mm-hmm. question that. Right? But, and how long ago? Yeah. So, this is difficult, and we're taking, if anybody has more information on this, we'd love to have it, yeah. because we are limited at the museum. Um, Alahasa listed the team as the Tigers in a November 9th, 1923 issue, and that's as far as we could go back. Hmm. But... According to Roger Lawning, who is a longtime member of the museum and a a former board member, a credit for the Tiger becoming an important part of the high school's teams and student life goes to a gentleman named Russ Voigt, sports editor of the Tribune in the 1920s. Hmm. Uh, In the 1920s, Albert Lee had a town team which played baseball games with other town teams. These players, incidentally, had no connection at all with the high school. Each town team became known by a name, and the one selected for Albert Lee was the Tiger. So really, it was just a group of guys playing ball to start out. Um, As this particular team faded away a few years later, and in a time a newer baseball league team became better known as the Albert Lee Packers. I didn't say that very well, but (laughs) they eventually came back as the Albert Lee Packers, which is what everybody, I think, relates to. Yeah. If you're looking at baseball teams for Albert Lee. 
Um, so Voight started to refer to the high school football, basketball, and baseball teams as the Tigers in his Tribune Sports News articles. Hmm. By the 1930s, two names became acceptable for the local high school teams. One was Bengals, a name based on part of India's famous for its wild tigers. Mm -hmm. The other name was Tigers. Roger said these two names were interchangeable for a few years, which is kind of weird, right? Well, like the Bengal Tigers. Yeah, I guess. Uh, In time, the Tigers became the name given for the A teams. The Bengals were the B teams, and the Tigerettes label was given to the girls teams. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Tigerette. Tigerettes, because girls can't be tigers. Right. (laughs) They're more delicate. Okay. Can girls be, say, uh, firefighters? Yeah, but they can't be firemen. They're firewomen. <laughs> <laughs> Notice I didn't I didn't label it quite as um, restrictively as you did. But that was a nice segue for me here. Because I then went to firefighters after you said mascots. Why? Well, I just, I hear mascots, and I know you were thinking about military, but I, well, and then the high school but i thought you were just thinking about military um never presumed to know, I know what this is my mind about. my mind <laughs> i but, don't even know what i'm thinking about <laughs> right <laughs> um my mind went to firefighters and dalmatians mm, that makes sense it's like their whole mascot kind of thing they're little buddies and stuff sure um but i didn't find any dalmatians in our freeborn county history i didn't look too hard for that i just kind of went into firefighting and um the like fire halls and fire rescues that were here uh the first one was in albert lee 1879 that was the first fire rescue that was founded Hmm. then it was alden in 1888 heartland 1894 and then they keep going all the way up until uh, Twin Lakes was the last one that was founded, and that was in 1962. Oh, wow. Wow, not till 62. Yeah. That was mm-hmm. later than I would have expected. Right? Yeah. Uh, but they all, pretty much all of our little communities around here have their own fire department, whether or not it's like paid or volunteer. Mm-hmm. There are quite a few volunteer ones as well. Uh, but the Albert Lee Bucket Brigade, Bucket Brigade, I love that. <laughs> It was organized by a group of volunteers, and uh, there were 30 of them that all came together. Oh, my God. And at the time, they put fires out with buckets. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Like, pass the bucket, splash it, pass the bucket, splash <laughs> yeah. it. Well, that was what happened at the um, the Itasca Rock Garden House when that That was a bur- burned a- down. Bucket brigade. That was a That's bucket brigade. Yeah, I know. Uh. So <laughs> that was a bucket brigade uh, attempt to put out the fire. Mm. Was the Itasca one, but it did burn down, which is sad. Yeah. Uh, and I kept looking. There's a couple of different avenues you could go. Like we have Mark Light, who was very involved in the museum and our local history here, who was a firefighter for 21 years, I believe. Yeah, 21 and a half years he was a firefighter here in Alberta. Former Lee. board member for yep. us. Mm-hmm. And he still pops in every once in a while, helps out. Uh, and there's also one that was very recently, there was this fire that I was, when I was looking up in October in 2021, this year, there were 117 bunnies in a Hollandale fire. Oh, oh no. Bunnies? Bunnies, bunnies in a barn. 
Do, nobody and says Hollandale. that when it's pigs, do they? No, they don't. I would be sad if little piggies <laughs> well, got I would burnt. Too, but not, not like we all just went, oh. Right. I know. It's a little Bunny. different when it's bunnies. Yeah. <laughs> They're a little cute and fluffy. I thought for sure you were going to go to the, um, it, maybe it was in 2020, the, um, oh, I can't think of the structure that burned. Oh, the, yeah. The big, like, storehouse yeah. that was there. Yeah. Um, I didn't go into that because I know we had a really nice Facebook post on that yes. that Linda brought up. Um, that was, it's interesting because the fire department, we talk about the small communities and their fire departments. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the cooperation between yeah. all of them. Like when a call goes out, how many respond and mm-hmm. from how far away sometimes. Right. Um, but I also have like two more little things that I found in our 1882 book that I love reading this book. The language in it is just phenomenal. Sometimes really not okay, but <laughs> um, it's really, you know, that was how it was people spoke at the time. Right. Um, but there's a section at the very beginning talking about before even people were really very populous in the area. And it says the autumnal prairie fires in all their terrible grandeur and weird beauty lighted the heavens by night and clouded the sun by day. Age after age added richness to the soil and prepared it to be one of the most productive fields of the world for the abode of the husbandman and for the uses of civilized man. So fire. (laughs) Well, they still do that. They still burn. Yeah, the, they blaze. Yeah, burn the fields off. Yeah, was it just doing it like naturally yeah. back then? Huh. Yeah. Oh, that was natural. That was natural. It wasn't a, oh, gal. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I assumed that that was their ritual. No, that happened like before people even. Oh, you came. said that. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, they, the, the author who was writing it was saying that the nature prepared it for the mm. people to be here. I'm um, up to speed now. Yeah. <laughs> now, moving up a bit, when people were more populous here, uh, the fall of 1909, there was talk about the modern chemical apparatus that the fire company possessed could kill the better part of the fire without even turning on water. Hmm. I love that. The modern chemical apparatus. <laughs> what was the chemical? I don't know. It didn't I say. What they, baking soda. <laughs> but they said it is an established fact that the Albert that Albert Lee has the most efficient fire department in the Northwest for a city of its size. Wow. Hmm, nice. Bill Mitchell, former chief, was well known from the Atlantic to Alaska and everywhere between hmm. as a firefighter. Wow. He led the department for 20 years and brought it to a state of perfection. His sterling qualities as a man were fully exemplified as a firefighter. From the Atlantic to, to Alaska. Alaska. Mm-hmm. Bill Mitchell. Bill in quotations. Yeah. So William. In 1909. <laughs> yeah. Yes, William. Billy. Billy William Boy. Bill. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You oh. said in the Northwest, and so I wanted to look really quickly because I was... You said 1909. Yes. And I'm trying to think which states were not quite states yet in oh, 1909. Sure. That would make them refer to this area as the Northwest. And I thought maybe Montana hadn't been a state yet by that point, but it says it was. So I think the the Northwest well, might have been maybe in relation to, like, you know, where the population centers were. Sure. 
Well, Alaska wasn't even a state then. No, that was until 59, yeah. I believe. Yeah, and they're saying to Alaska he was even known. <laughs> was it called Alaska before it was a state? I, uh, think, I think so. so. Was it? Yeah, I believe so. Didn't the Russians have it? Yeah, I think they did. Um, yep, the Russians were the first Europeans to settle the area in the 18th century, eventually establishing Russian America. Um <laughs> which oh. then uh, was sold to the U.S. in 1867. Um, went through several administrative changes before becoming a territory in 1912, so it wasn't even a territory yet wow. when, when that well, quote would have wow. been. Uh, and then it was, of course, admitted to a sta- as a state in January of 59. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Bill Mitchell. William Bill Mitchell. Mm-hmm. The Atlantic to Alaska. I feel Fire like there's fighter. a better story there than I like know. A, not a better, but a like a deeper story. Mm-hmm. That's one we might have to delve right. into as we. I keep finding those where I'm like, this person sounds cool. <laughs> as we look at our yeah. fire department and yeah, I'm now trying to figure out how I went from firefighters to cigars, and I'm sure it has to do with lighting a fire somewhere. Yeah, because if you're like not careful where you're flicking it, you might smoking. start a start a. Might start a grass fire. Yeah. Oh, the autumnal prairie fire. Uh huh. <laughs> I, I did like I did like the writing in that. Yeah. Um, so I, for some reason I went to cigars, and I don't. I must have had a cigar on my desk or something. <laughs> I don't know. You know, because we did for a while. Store, yeah. Threw those out. I think they were like. They were gross. They were. They were kind of. <laughs> we didn't yeah. smoke them. No. But they they smelled like. They smelled like feet. musty cigars. <laughs> musty. Which, yeah. Musty. Actually, like old socks. Yep. Yeah. There really wasn't a cigar smell to them. No. Yeah. Anyway, we digressed. <laughs> and so, as I was doing this, there's not a whole lot on cigars that I found, and um, but you know, I love my little friend here, Irv Sorensen. <laughs> <laughs> and in the 1960s, again, his highlights and shadows. He talked frequently about cigars. Mm. Plenty of butts. B u t t s. In 1879, the T.J. Wank Cigar Factory in Albert Lee turned out 100,000 cigars during the first 10 months of their operation. Local editors suggested that if cigars must be smoked, then the smokers should buy Wanix cigars and keep business in town. I don't, why is she laughing? We're... <laughs> It is inappropriate. <laughs> You're going to have to edit the snot out of that I one. I will. <laughs> oh, that hurt. <laughs> Former local man turns out to be bad medicine for lions. Oh. I've been waiting for this. Frank Ross, the son of John Ross, who at one time operated the cigar store at Corner of Clark and Broadway, became famous as a lion and bear hunter in the California mountains. In 1930, he killed four big mountain lions in two days with four bullets from a 38 caliber special colt. Total bounties were $240. On another hunt, he cornered and shot a huge male lion in a cave. He then saw three pairs of eyes gleaming from the murky cavern. Uh-oh. Shots rang out from his revolver. When smoke cleared, he found three more dead lions, four in one day. Where was this? In California. In California the California Mountains. Oh. Yes, but he was the son of the cigar owner, store owner. Uh-huh. But I thought, 
you think back, I have a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that, talk about like the Wild West kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah. Like people from Albert Lee went out to just for hunting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In, uh, that's crazy. <laughs> like today you hop on a plane or, you know, you get in the car. That's not like a trek. That's not an easy trek from no. Albert Lee to. Right. In that anyway. day and age. Yeah. Popcorn and all over the place here. <laughs> Stop that boy. A cigar in his mouth, a swagger in his walk, imp- <laughs> impotence in his face, a care for nothingness in his manner. <laughs> Judging from his manner, he is older than his father, wiser than his teacher, more honored than the mayor of the town, higher than the president. Stop him. He's going too fast. He doesn't know the rate of his speed. Stop him. Air tobacco ruins his nerves. Air pride ruins his character. Air the loafer masters the man. Air good ambition and manly strength give way to low pursuits and brutish aims. Stop all such boys. They are legion. The shame of their families, the disgrace of their town, the sad and solemn reproaches of themselves. That article is from the Albert Lee Enterprise in 1877. Are we really doing all we can to stop healthy, lovable little boys from developing into the boys described? (laughs) I'm imagining an ad where it's just like this little two-year-old with like oversized suit on, like with a cigar in his mouth and a trilby (laughs) on his head. Like that's what I pictured when you were reading I pictured older, but it's like the first PSA. Yeah. Albert Lee's first PSA announcement. (laughs) Um, and then I found this one, an ad in an 1877 local, pa- local paper. Good, fine, cut chewing, 50 cents per pound. Cigars, two for a, two for a nickel at the new tobacco store. Uh, and they had at the store, their, their signage was one of the um, hand-carved, the wood-carved totem Oh, Native American mm-hmm. Indians that you don't see. You, you see them in antique stores now. But Irv's final note, what is a shame we don't have that cigar store um, statue in our museum. Oh. Which would have been a nice addition. It would be a great way to tell the story. Right. Yeah. That was all my popcorn and I could do on cigars. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do have a cigar box that has uh, Colonel Albert Lee on it. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, well, it was recently put onto our Past Perfect software, so it wasn't easily accessible. But uh, now it's there. <laughs> is that the? If that's one that's going to be out in the general store? Yes. Yeah. Yep. We have a nice selection, actually, of cigar mm-hmm. cigar items, boxers, cutters. Aren't there a couple yep, of cutters? There's quite a few cutters, lighters, uh, yeah. wrapper kind of surfaces. I guess is the word. <laughs> They had like a block where you would have specifics so that you can. Yes, you're making fun of my hand motions. Yeah, because she's motioning something. None of us know what she's doing. Um, yeah, we do have quite a few tobacco. Um, it seems to me too. One of the stuff. lighters is a big, a good size lighter that sits on the counter that none of us knew what it was. Yeah, like Although, you don't look at it and go, oh, "That's a cigar lighter." Right. That was our one of our volunteers, Karen, told us about yeah. that, and then she said that, and I went, "Oh." It's like, it's a wonderful life, because that's in that movie. (laughs) It is in that movie. (laughs) And that's how it starts. (laughs) (laughs) But when you said cigars, my next pop went to man robes, and I wasn't sure (laughs) what to say. It fits the vibe. Right? It's just like... You know, you see those old movies where the guy, he's got his, like, lounging, luxurious robes. Sleazy old rich dude. Yeah. Yeah. 
There's a name for those, though. I know. What is it? Well, and see, I I was thinking it might be like the Meehan robe that we have. We have a uh, John F. D. Meehan robe or jacket, I guess, in our collection, and I wasn't sure if it was going to be like the one that I'm thinking of with cigars. There is a name for it, and I thought it might have been Duster, but that's a very no. different thing. It's a lounge like robe. I don't know. I smoking like robe? A smoking jacket. Smoking jacket. Uh, that's what it is. There you yep. go. That's where you get See? from cigar to man robe. Yep. It's a See, smoking jacket. I was jacket. thinking of a smoking jacket, but the item that I was thinking of was Meehan's duster jacket. And uh, so the smoking jacket is the like luxurious kind of soft loungy robe. A duster jacket's very different. So we have one from Meehan in our collection. We got it into our collection about seven years after he died. Uh, his wife Catherine brought it in for us. And uh, duster jackets were very popular when the automobile was first invented. Because riding in a car was very different then from what it is now. And you needed protective clothing. Mm. So it was to keep your suit clean. Because mm-hmm. uh-huh. they were open and had no windshields, no side windows, no rear windows, no doors, no roof. And Fun. there was such thing as rain, wind, and cold air. Um, <laughs> so they, you would have to have that jacket to cover yourself with. Um yeah that's kind of all i had for him it wasn't really until like 1919 that people stopped riding in the horseless carriage as they called them Mm. where they got windshields and windows that's actually around the time it's interesting of course i just happened to see something on youtube um when uh, i believe it was uh dwight eisenhower um when he was just part of the I don't know if it was National Guard or, like, the Marine Corps or something, but in, like, the early 1900s or 1910s, he was in charge of, like, an expedition from, like, I think he went from Washington, D.C. to, like, somewhere in California to try to figure out, like, how realistic it would be to, like, make that journey for, like, the everyday average person. And when he realized just how difficult it was for, like, this, like, military convoy (laughs) to make the trip, it took them, like, two months. And then he was like, we need to do something about this. And then three, four decades later, he became president, and that's how we got the interstate system. Oh, interesting. Dwight. Oh, Dwight. (laughs) He made it all connected. And made the very American thing of having automobiles instead of a train system. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I like the train. I really do. Well, it would be so much more convenient for a lot of people, I I think. Public transportation. Maybe you could order some popcorn on the public transportation. Yeah, they'll bring it right to you. 